0: I feel like God just wants us to know how much he loves us, that that everything he does for us, everything he's done throughout all time has been because of his great, unending love for us. And, you know, a lot of us, we get in this whole organized religion thing where we, we think God's up there with a baseball bat just ready to bash us over the head the first time our foot falters off the path, but that's not... It's not how God works. He loves us so much, and he wants us to be close to him, and he doesn't want us to, to be subject to the consequences of, of sin. And, and that is the whole motivation behind his love for us and how he wants us to be close to him. And it's not that, that he wants us to be miserable or sad or, or, you know, any of those things. It's just that he loves us so much.
1: When I first heard this I thought it was just for like a couple of people but the father said this is for everybody who's sitting in this church right now. Do you want to the father said do you want acceleration? Do you want to be accelerated? He said all you have to do is receive, is receive to be acceleration. If you feel like you've been behind the curve lately the father said I'm finna to put you in front of the line. He also said remember You are the head and not the tail. And you are blessed coming in and blessed going out.
0: If any of the co laborers have a word that the Lord's given them today for this body, um, you can come up and put it on the microphone. I really feel like the Lord wants to break a spirit of performance off of this place tonight. And He showed me. Um, a picture of a, a flowering bush, and um, it had beautiful flowers, like a gardenia bush. But God told me, "You are not your flowers. You are not just the beautiful blooms that come out of you. That's only part of who you are. That's only a piece of who you are. You don't have to. You don't have to show off. You are so beautiful to me, even whenever your flowers are not in full bloom. You are so beautiful to me." All right, today, as you all already know, our, the senior pastor is not here today, Pastor Mac Ballard, but we have a great man of God, a faithful, special speaker today, our executive associate pastor, Pastor John Staples. Make him feel welcome as he comes.
2: I'm um, on limited limited volume today. Probably, y'all probably grateful. I'm usually probably a little too loud. Um, So, um, I think Valerie just really hit it on the head with the word she gave that God wants you to know how much he loves you. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more today about anxiety, uh, something I spoke about a little bit last Sunday. And, um, you know, I said to you last week that the, uh, was it last Sunday? Seems like so much has happened since then. (laughs) Um, Our head is, my head is spinning. I'm I'm so happy. God's blessed me so much. And, uh, you know, we're so excited about Zion and Megan and uh, glad to have them back. so excited about the new baby cowing on the way, new grandbaby. Um, God is good. God's blessing us. Amen. A lot of good things happening. Um, but it's been like almost overwhelming. There's just been so much stuff going on. Um, I just, you know, I wake up exhausted and uh, go to bed exhausted. You know, it's just like, you know, I don't know if I'm coming or going. Um, but... You know, um, I, I do want to take a little bit more time on anxiety because I feel like it's something that's um, it's a really big issue, a really big problem. It affects a lot of people. Um, it affects a lot of you. I'm certain of it. Um, anxiety is usually something that happens quietly, and people don't talk a lot about it. Um, it's something that people, you know, you know, I was discussing this with Valerie this morning. And she said, you know, one of the things about anxiety is that people um, suffer in silence many times. That the things that trigger anxiety for some people, um, even that word trigger now has become this political weapon that we throw back and forth at each other, that, that people have, in, a, in, a, in their process of healing At least come to the point where they acknowledge that they've got these things that they feel anxiety about. They've been vocal about them, and they've been vocal about things that trigger them. And then, um, you know, on the other side of that, you got people that are like, you know, somebody, you know, making fun of people who are triggered by every little thing. And and so, um, and then it just repeats that process again. And uh, so, I'm not talking about anything political today. I'm not talking about you know any of that kind of stuff. Anxiety is a very real thing. Um, and it's something that's, you know, there are a lot of things that we deal with in, in our modern society that, you know, God just didn't even mention text messaging in Scripture. He didn't mention social media in Scripture. And there are a lot of things that are kind of like these gray areas that we don't, we, God didn't specifically mention them. Uh, but anxiety is not one of those things. God specifically dealt with anxiety. And I told you briefly, last time, that anxiety, there's this, there's this clear antidote for, for anxiety. And um, so I don't want you to get the impression that I'm trying to minimalize your anxiety by telling you that there's a clear antidote. Because just because it's clear doesn't mean that it's simple or easy. You know, it's, it, it is a process. Um, you know, when I gave my heart to Jesus in 1982, um, I, I kind of had this idea that, um, that I'd walk the aisle and I would give my heart to Jesus and I'd never mess up again, you know, and everything was just going to be, and I'd never be sad again, and I would never, well, those, those things aren't true. You know, salvation, um, you know, th- that day that I, gave, I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Jesus, that was the beginning of a journey. It wasn't this destination that I'd somehow arrived and I was magically whole, In every way it's just just not the case you know that's the moment when you give your heart to Jesus when you confess to him that you're a sinner and you ask him to forgive you um, that's a moment where your spirit is reborn but just like these little ones you know they've got a lot of growing to do well you've still got a lot of growing to do Um, your your mind still needs to be renewed Um, your body is still in the process of decaying I, I don't know if anybody's broke the news to you yet but what you have is terminal. I don't know if anybody told you yet, Gideon, but you're dying. You know. Now, hopefully, it'll be hundred years or so. But <laughs> you don't want to stick around that long. You got to stick around and see what I do on my hundredth birthday. Um, okay. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. They might get me. They might talk me into skydiving or something when I'm hundred. That's when I'll get my pilot. It'd be like uh, secondhand lines, you know, that's when I'll get my plane. <laughs> um, so let's, let's get a clear description, you know, a clear definition on what anxiety is. And this is what I believe anxiety is. And having read a little bit about it and listened to, you know, some experts out there. Um, so anxiety is feelings of fear, worried that are strong enough to interfere with your daily activities. Um, it can take the form of panic attacks, phobias, social anxiety. For many people it's, it's based in something that actually happened in the past that is not necessarily happening at the moment. So m- many times people will experience something that is traumatic in some way and um, and it produces this very real and necessary fear. Uh, you know, fear is a, is a good, it's a, I don't know if I can call it a good emotion, but as a normal and natural and useful emotion. Fear is what keeps us out of danger. It helps us identify things that are a threat to our existence. And so fear is not necessarily in and of itself a bad thing when, you know, when, you, uh, when you're about to get out of your truck up in the mountains and you hear a bear growling behind you and suddenly your heart starts racing and you know, you're, you're on this heightened awareness and you get back in your car, that fear has been a very useful thing at protecting you. Um, if you've ever been assaulted by someone, um, you know that, that fear of knowing what that looks like, knowing what a predator looks like, and avoiding those kind of people, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a useful emotion if, left, if kept in check. It's something that will help you identify and avoid harm. Um, so fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. Um, the problem is that it's one of the tools that the devil likes to use to inflict current pain in your life from past events. Or from perceived or imagined events even. Um, You know um, one of the things I had to deal with in like in the hospital a couple years ago was um, I told Valerie I said if it's ever come down to they got to give me a hida scan and I'm awake you just tell them go and let me die. I don't ever want to go through that again. They take me down to the basement of the of the hospital and um, you know, I was already dealing with all this pain, and, and um, I'd go from just soaking wet, you know, burning up to being freezing cold, and I never could get it quite right. And then they take you down the basement of the hospital, and they've got this scanner that looks like it weighs three tons, and they've got it, like, it's not resting on you, like the weight is not on you, but it's touching you. Like, not just touching your face, it's touching you from your head to your feet, and you can't move. You just got to be there, trapped basically, you know, in this giant metal sandwich. And I'll just tell you, I don't ever want to go through that again. When I start thinking about that, my heart starts racing. I start, you know, I, I feel panicky. And um, let me tell you, it's a it's a real palpable emotion. You know, it's it's something I. It's if if I'm not careful, if I dwell on it it becomes something I'm experiencing all over again. And you know what? It's been over for a couple of years. I'll probably never have to go through it again. But just the thought of it is something that is very challenging for me to, you know, to get through emotionally. And um, you know, there are a lot of things that can, can inflict those things and cause those things. Um, so I don't know if you figured this out yet, but you know, you don't get to control what happens to you in this life. You know, I would say every one of us has experienced something in this life that we didn't want to experience at the hands of other people. We had no control over it happening to us. And, you know, if I could choose what happens to me, it would never be bad stuff. It would never be painful things. It would always be sunshine and roses and fresh air and, you know, Rainbows, you know, unicorns—it would, it would be good stuff. <laughs> I don't know about the unicorns, but—and um, <clears throat> we've said this. You hear this preached to you all the time, but it doesn't make it any less true that you get to choose your reaction. You don't get to choose what happens to you, but you get to choose how you process it, what you do with it. And so here's here's the big thing. Well, let's let's go to Philippians chapter four. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse 6. Hey, guys, will, will y'all grab me? Can you go get me a bottle of wine? Um, so the Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, be, and this I'm reading from the New King James Version, be anxious for nothing. I love that word, nothing. It's this word of totality. It's this word of all-encompassing. You know, it's an extreme. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Again, it's one of these big, huge, total words. So it's like we didn't leave any gray in between. There's be anxious for nothing, but in everything. There's not an in-between. Thank you. God doesn't want you partly anxious and sort of this other thing we're going to It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're told what to do with anxiety. Now, I told you this last week. There's a reason when God tells you, don't be anxious. There's a reason he had to tell us that. It's not automatic. It's something we tend towards the opposite. We tend to, um, we tend to be anxious. Uh, life is filled with things that can bring anxiety into our lives. Um, and that's why God took the time to tell us, don't do it. And he didn't just say, don't, don't be anxious. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests Be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that passes understanding is the opposite of anxiety because here's what's happening. With anxiety, something has happened to you in your past, and now it's many times, most of the time, it's not currently happening to you again. Um. That's a whole different emotion if it's something actually, phys- actually happening to you again, okay? But typically with anxiety, it's the fear that it's going to happen again or you're reliving that moment. Um, you're reliving that pain. But the peace of God that passes understanding is, is the opposite of that. It's when, when you don't understand why you're at peace because it, you're, you should be in turmoil. You should have all this anxiety boiling because all the triggers are there, all the bad things. Maybe something bad is currently happening to you, but God has guided under control. God's doing something in your heart. And so that's where we want to get to is where the peace of God is ruling in us and having control over those emotions. And, you know, all of us have gone through painful things. And uh, some folks will just stuff it, they'll stick it back there and act like it doesn't doesn't hurt them, doesn't bother them. But at some point, usually for most of us, those things will come back up. And so what I'm talking about is being prepared for um, when that pain comes back, when that anxiety comes back, that you know what you're going to do, that you've already got an idea of what you're going to do with it, and you're not caught off guard. You know, when, when I went and visited Hawaii last year and um, – you know, we were down in the lava fields. We were already two miles down into the lava fields from civilization. You know, a good, you know, already like four miles from the closest gas station and not a, not a quick four miles, four miles down a lava bumpy road. And I decided I was going to walk another four miles past civilization to the ocean. And I thought, it's going to be hot. There's nothing out there. Got to take me some water. And I got two miles down there before I realized I had left my water bottle at the top of the hill. <laughs> and it's not just four miles this way, it's four miles this way. It's it's a 15, 1,500 foot drop in elevation. So what I'm saying to you is, I just don't want you to get out too far from civilization and not have your water bottle with you. You know, things are gonna come up. Um, and you need to know what you're gonna do with it. Um, so much of what we need to do, you know, um, I always go back to the Lord's prayer. I'm, I'm the more the older I get, the more impressed I am with how much stuff God packed into one prayer in the Lord's prayer. Um, it wasn't even in my notes. That wasn't I wasn't going to go there. But you know, everything you need to know about walking with God is there. You know, from the, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, worship is at the core of our relationship with God is that we, we adore Him, we love Him. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we're still here, is to bring His, his kingdom, um, everything that He's about, to bring it here, to bring it to bear on this earth. That's that's, that's your job, is to bring God's kingdom here. Um, um, Give us this day our daily bread. You know, forgive, those, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, so much of what we're talking about is tied up in, in forgiveness. Um, I'm really not going to go too deep into forgiveness today, but, um, you know, that's, that's part of dealing with these things is, is also releasing, forgiving. Um, you know, If someone's beating me with a baseball bat, eventually I'm gonna find a way to forgive them, uh, but I'm not gonna let them keep hitting me with a baseball bat. Forgiveness doesn't mean you let someone continue to abuse you. Don't misunderstand me. Um, So um, I read a book, listened to the audio book actually, uh, last year called Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Um, I do think a lot of this book, I think a lot of her, Uh, You may not, you may not agree with me, but uh, one of the things that I really liked about it, uh, this book in particular, she is a Christian, uh, she is a PhD, she's not a medical doctor, she's a psychologist uh, by trade, she's a clinical psychologist, which means she helps people who are dealing with things all the way from traumatic brain injuries, which is a medical issue that, you know, they've reached the end of what they can do with um, medical intervention, surgery and stuff. Uh, all the way to things like PTSD, emotional things, emotional trauma that's uh, caused, um, you know, currently causing people problems from past events, kind of stuff we're talking about. Um, and several other things. Um, and one of the things she discussed, is, by the way, she's a, she's a Christian as well. Um, uh, she discusses the neuroplasticity of the brain. And she's not the only person I've heard talk about this. You know, it was, it was thought at one point that when when the brain is damaged, that, that basically those neural pathways, once they're damaged, they don't rebuild. And there's a lot of evidence to the contrary now that that basically your brain can be rewired. It can relearn things that were either broken or, um, you know, not wired right to start with. Um... And what this means is, neuroplasticity of the brain, what that means is that we have the potential to reverse or increase damage in our brains, and, uh, and she talks about specifically the things that we meditate on, by the things that, now, now I, Micah loves to bring up, you know, he's in med school, my wife and my son are both in med school, and um, I don't know if it's Micah or Valerie was saying, you know, <clears throat> when they have someone come into the ER you know, and, you know, maybe they've got a rib sticking out and, you know, they're about to bleed out. No one says, you know, go get me the essential oils stat, you know. Talk about, <laughs> you know, you know, nobody says, hey, let's, let's quote our favorite Bible verse to this person. You know, if you could just memorize this scripture with me, the bleeding will stop, okay? No, there's a time and a place for everything. We're not, I'm not anti-medicine, um, but I do believe that the things that you think about, the things that you meditate and dwell on, they have an impact not just on your spiritual and emotional well-being, but they can. There's evidence um, that they can actually affect your physical health, and for the good or the bad. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, one of the things she discusses is the concept of epigenetics. Now, I'm not smart enough to really know what that word is. It's one of Micah's favorite words, but the word epi means above, right? So, and this is this is not medicine's fault. This is not, it's pop culture has come to believe that, I mean, the more we learn about genetics, you know, that there's a gene on your, you know, I'm probably going to mess this up, in your DNA that if I, if I screw it up, just... If it gets too far off, you correct me. But, but basically, there's a gene for everything, you know, like the color of your eyes, the color of your hair, and all those things are potentially there for what you could have and how, you know, how tall you're going to be. And, there, and we're getting down, we're finding that it actually affects lots of other things. Um, and so because we've got this limited information that has become part of popular culture, we've started believing that, well, it's just bad genes. I'm just... This is just the the reason I'm fat and, you know, the reason I'm overweight and I have high blood pressure is just genetics. It's just bad genetics. Well, there's some truth to that. There is, you know, the the, sum of it is like when I lost 50 pounds, when I was in the hospital, I lost 50 pounds. My blood pressure came from really extreme highs down to normal. It got so low I had to quit taking my blood pressure medicine just to not die. And, I mean, it got down to where it was I couldn't even get out of bed. My blood pressure was so low and it normalized. And about two weeks later, I was still 50 pounds lighter. I was almost at my target weight, and my blood pressure just starts creeping back up. You know, my my dad, but especially my mom, my grandfather, all my uncles, all of them have experienced this same thing. So that's what it is, this, this, this hereditary thing that was passed down through genetics. But then there's this other side of genetics where you've got these genes, you've got these things that are, you know, part of who you are, but epigenetics decides what gets switched on and what gets switched off. So it's not like these things are here and they're just constantly affecting who you are. That another example, I don't know why I'm just throwing all my medical history out there for you, but that's the way it's gonna be today. Um, You know, about six, seven years ago, I had uh, skin cancer. I had uh, melanoma. And um, so melanoma is one of those things. I have a genetic predisposition towards it. You know, it's one of those things that could happen but then there's this thing that takes that gene and switches it on. One of those things that we think, medicine now thinks happens is, well, not thanks. There's, there's strong indication. If you're sunburned, if you have a, a, a strong, you know, a heavy sunburn, when you're a child, your chances of having melanoma are dramatically increased. So this, this is case of where you have got this genetics, these things that were inherited from your, from your family, but then you've got this thing called epigenetics that things that you can do switch things on and switch things off. Am I too far off the path here? Um, this is this is kind of the this kind of precept for um, you know Dr. Leaf's book, um, and the reason I kind of dig it is it you know there's she's done a lot of research with it. She's read lots of other people's studies. She's put all this together. She's put it into practice with people that she's helping with these different issues, and she'll tell you about some of that in the book if you want to get it. But it's also a clear concept in Scripture that the words coming out of your mouth and the things that you dwell on can have a serious impact on your life. And I'm telling you, I believe that the science is starting to back up the idea that you can, by the the things that you dwell on and ponder on, that if you fill your heart with toxic thoughts, if you're constantly dwelling on pain, things that happen to you, and you're dwelling on them in the concept of just reliving them over and over and over, and I'll just tell you, we, we've come to think of anxiety uh, in this culture. This is one of those things. If, if you deal with anxiety, welcome to my club, okay? Okay. Uh, From the time I was, you know, a young man getting up to do what I'm doing right now, um, I would get physically sick. I'd have to go talk to Jesus in the porcelain, you know, bowl back there for a little while every time I had to lead worship or preach. I was just, you know, it just messed messed me up. I was, you know, just constantly fearful about it. But... So I'm not picking on you've got, you've got anxiety. I know, I know those feelings, and I know they're real. But what I'm saying is, you know, we've treated it like, and it's come to this point in society where we've taken ownership of it, and we've taken it on as part of our identity. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And I want you to know, if you have anxiety, if you're dealing with anxiety, it is not who you are. It's something you're dealing with. Oh, but don't, don't make the mistake of taking this on as part of your identity and going, this is just me. Because it's not. Because it's not something God intended to be part of your life. It's something God intended as salva- as part of your salvation for you to be set free from. You don't have to walk in anxiety every day. Now, if you get up tomorrow and you got to deal with some anxiety, I, I got no judges, okay? I'm not, I'm not throwing any rocks at you. I'm just telling you, you don't have to... You don't have to um, make it comfortable in the guest room, okay? You can, every, time you, every time when you wake up and there's some more anxiety, you can show it to the door and say, you're not welcome here. And it comes down to uh, taking these things to God and allowing Him to, to have His work in you. Um, you, can't, you can't get free from this and ignore the Holy Ghost in your life, okay? When the Holy Spirit's talking to you, about things that you need to change, people that you need to forgive, uh, things that you need to, uh, to change about your schedule, you better be listening to him. Um, so there are a couple of biggies, real big ones, uh, and that is um, if you have sinned against someone and have not made it right with God. Now, if you have sinned against someone and they don't know about it, It's not always a good thing to go back to your sixth grade teacher and tell her that you stole, you know, her puppy or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I'm not not telling you to go do that, okay? Um, But I'm telling you, sometimes anxiety that we carry around is because we've got this pain of stuff that we did, the guilt of things that we did that we need to go and make right. Again, this ain't part of my notes. This is just no no charge. Um, This is extra with no charge. Okay, um, And then the other thing is when people have wronged us and us forgiving them. And there again, if you have been attacked by someone, uh, whether it be someone you... In most, most of the time it's someone you know. That's, that's the sad reality of what our, the world we live in. It's not always a good thing for you to physically confront that person. But, um, but you need to, with you and God, uh, every time... That memory sticks its ugly head up in your life. That you go to the, stop what you're doing, go to the throne room of God, and say, Father, I give you this pain. By the way, He ain't just God, He's your daddy. Maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you didn't have a real daddy, but your daddy, your Father God, He loves you. And if you'll, every time that pain sticks its ugly head up, If you go to your father and say, God, it hurts again this morning, but I give this to you and I ask you to take this pain and that you'd bring me healing in its place. Do it every time. Stop what you're doing. Go get it right with him. Don't let those things build up. Because what happens is, you know, it's like a, you know, we've we've just, we keep going around this circle and we keep wearing this groove until we feel like somehow, anxiety is one of those things that, it's like, we feel like it's an innate part of, our identity. We feel like it is it's part of us. Okay, like I am a bit of an extrovert. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy now the older I get, the more I just want to go hide in the cave. You know, I go see people for a little while and then I just gotta, you know, I, I just I just want to go hide. Um but you know, being an extrovert's kind of that's kind of my thing. You know, I'm that's part of my identity, it's part of who I am. Um you know, people like me can get to where, you know, if we have someone like, you know, my wife is, a, is the opposite in this. You know, she is an introvert. She's the type of person who, um, you know, she would rather enjoy people one at a time than all y'all 50 at a time or 100 at a time, you know. And us extroverts are kind of the point where we just, we just like to hang out with all y'all. You know, that's, that's where, you know, the, where's the party? Let's, you know, let's just hang out together. And if you're not careful, you'll judge people based on the way you see things. And like you'll you're, you'll see an introvert and you'll think, well, um, you just don't like people. You need to get that right with God. Well, no, 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 no. That that really is. That's one of those things. That's not a sin thing. That's that is. It truly is part of somebody's identity. That's what I call their superpower. You know, um, that's that's part of her her. Make, that's part of what makes her awesome. Okay, so. So anxiety is this groove that we wear into our brain by reliving the pain over and over and over until it seems like it's this part of our identity. The truth is that it is something we own, not something that we are. We are not anxiety. It's something you deal with, but it is not something that that you are. It is not part of who you are. It's not part of who God created you to be. It's not part of your spirit being. It's something that's attached itself to you. And that means that you can ask it to get gone, okay? Um, so 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to I go to this one. Let's see. I think there was another verse there that... No, okay, that wasn't the one. Okay, I'm sorry. Back at, back at Philippians chapter 4 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Um, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And you know, we just you know, we talked about the peace that passes understanding. And the God of peace, I love this verse, verse 8 says, the God of peace will be with you. And it's not just enough that the, the, the peace of God, the peace that passes understanding, you know, becomes a little part of you and just is something that you take and internalize. But it's not just the peace of God, it's the God of peace. He, that's who he is, that real peace is who he is. And so when he shows up, there's peace. And um, so I want to get kind of practical if I can. Um, you know, you probably know this. If you're dealing with anxiety in your life, there's, there's kind of like three little things you can do. Uh, one of them is avoidance. You know, if, um, you know, if there's a situation or a person or a, you know, a place or, you know, if there's something where you've been hurt, you know, sometimes we just avoid those things. There's nothing wrong with that you know if, if if there's you know things that you've been through that are painful if there's a person that's continued to hurt you avoiding them is probably a good idea um, so avoidance is you know is part of your strategy for dealing with um, anxiety you know if you've got something somebody that you need to avoid a place that you need to avoid uh, situations that you need to avoid you know like with social anxiety um, you know, maybe you don't need the front row tickets at, you know, the busiest concert in town. You know, maybe you don't need to do that every weekend if it's causing you too much stress. Um, so the other is coping strategies. You know, this is one that, that medicine and that the world focuses on a lot. And there are a lot, there are a lot of good things that you can learn here. Um, so I'm going to out my wife a little bit, her being the introvert that she is. She can come on. Can you come up? Okay, so, of course, she's in school. Um, She's not just in school. She's in med school. She's in her third year of med school, almost in her fourth year of med school. And um, she's there because she's smart. (laughs) And she can't stand. That's like, she'd rather you cuss her out than call her smart. I don't know if you know that. Because, well well it's an insult to call you to say that you're in med school because you're smart right it makes it sound easy it makes it sound like it just came to you and it isn't is it easy no not (laughs) not easy at all um so it's better if you'll put that mic in front of you there (laughs) maybe it isn't better if you're gonna say things about me um so one of the things you may not know about Valerie is that she has test anxiety. She'll study real hard, you know, work her behind off, learn all the information, do everything she can, and then um, get to the test and describe what that's like, I mean, you know. Well,
0: <laughs> it's like this. It's, you, you have this, you know, you, you pull the questions up and you're starting the exam and, you realize you've been sitting there for five minutes and you've read the question three times and still have no idea what it's saying um i mean you have to keep going back because it, you know med school questions they're pretty typical you're going to get how old the person is and how you know how long they've been having whatever it is and and all their symptoms and there's all these little keywords that they throw in there that are supposed to trigger well if they have this this and this okay that's what this is and it isn't and the and the, and the answers aren't always what's the diagnosis it's, it's What test are you going to perform or what, you know, what marker are you looking for in their blood or what, um, if they don't get this treated, what could happen? What are they more prone to? You know, so you're not just looking at, here, I know what their diagnosis is and you can feel better. Okay, I'm going to get the answer right, you know, but the whole point is you're reading the question and you, it's like, it's another language. You're just sitting there reading it over and over again. And, you know, after about five minutes, you're like, okay, they're 43 and they're female. Um, (laughs) I've got that much information until you write it down because you just can't even hold on to it. And, you know, if anything happens in the room, it seem, you know, I'm not like formally diagnosed or anything. Well, I was when I was a kid. I had ADHD when I was a kid. And so the type of test anxiety I have is an ADHD-based test anxiety, which means that distractions, any distractions in the room, anything going on in the room, you know, it can just totally take you out of where you are in your mind. And so, like, you know, we take our exams that we have every month at the end of a rotation at the hospital in our, our lounge. <laughs> it's also the room that the doctors were used to going to the bathroom in um, before they made it into our lounge. So, at any time during our exams, the doctor could come flying in to use the bathroom. Or one of the residents, they have In the adjacent bathroom,
2: bathroom, not in that room.
0: Not in the room, (laughs) but there's a bathroom there in the room. It might as well be in the room for all the joy that you get to hear. (laughs) Um, The resident's computer room where they do all their notes and their, you know, whatever they're doing is right off of that room. So they can bust in at any time um the woman that proctors our exams likes to eat and talk on her phone and play on her computer so all of these little things are just you know <clears> chipping away at my brain while i'm tr- trying to deal with with an exam so that's kind of what goes on when i take So
2: exam. we we are kind of like polar opposites when it comes to how we study and how we test and when i'm in the test i can i can answer things that i had no idea i'd ever learned i mean things i get the the excitement of being in a standardized diete- uh, you know a stack of number two pencils on the desk you know perfectly sharpened no other distractions just just me and that piece of paper you know and i'm just bubbling like there's no tomorrow i just i love it i I mean i eat it up and it tells
0: you how long ago it's been because he says paper
2: <laughs> yeah um but well the difference between us is i wouldn't study <laughs> i would spend I would spend my weeks just waiting until like the night before and I'm just like, gotta get all this information, stuff it in my head. All the way there, I'm listening to tapes, I'm listening to CDs, you know, whatever I can, however I can get this information in my head, this is how I prep, and then I go in there and I'm just like, you know, and I've got it. (coughs) I would, when I would take her to school at CSU, she would just like, she would put these silly songs on. She'd put a comedian on the radio, she was like, you should be going in for a test, and she wouldn't have anything, anything related to anything she was studying. I'm like, have you got, this? you know what you're doing, you know, and she would go in. She, that, but what I'm saying is part of her coping mechanism for the test anxiety for her was just switching off that part of her brain is, look, I've studied, I've prepared, I've given all I can to this, and i gotta, I got to find a way to not go in here and be anxious. And so now that I know that about here, you know, we've learned this through the years. Like the night before, she went to take the MCAT to get, you know, this is the test one of the one of the biggies on whether you can get into med school or not. Um, we went and reserved a hotel room, got her away from the kids, made her comfortable, made you know the the thing, all the things that could could trigger anxiety in her. Do everything I can when when everything's on the line. To make to make that that bubble for her, and so this is one of the things that we've learned about each other is you know like when she would be in labor uh, with the kids you know it was just like what was it big a daisy full of I mean a, a field full of daisies and a big fluffy dog is licking you in the face because to me that stresses me out and makes me angry, for her that's like that's a that's a good a dog licking you in the face is a good thing for her. Uh, so, you know, it's, it really is sometimes about finding ways, uh, really practical ways to cope is what I'm saying, okay? That's not a bad thing. That's not an evil thing. Find, figure out those things. The point, the point I want to make about anxiety, you know, look, you know, we've talked about avoidance. It's not really a great way to live, you know, because you can't just go avoiding any stressful... Well, you can, but the, the cost of you avoiding any stress, means you don't fulfill your destiny. You don't become the person that God's called you to do. You hide from things you're supposed to be running towards. And one of the... You told me about one that you used to, like you as a kid, the social anxiety. How would you deal with social anxiety? So social anxiety means you come into a room full of people and you feel like everybody's looking at you and you're stressed out and you just want to go hide in the corner and not say anything to anybody and instead you go...
0: jump up on the table in front of everybody and get loud
2: (laughs) (laughs) and she put on this persona like i'm i'm the the life of the party i'm in charge here y'all you know look at me
0: it's exhausting
2: yeah (laughs) but it's an act but it's a coping mechanism it's a way you just you learn to deal with things so you know avoiding not it's not a good option sometimes it's the only thing you can do um Coping is something that most of the world teaches you to do. And, and if you can take that baby step and get there, um, that's a good thing. Because it means that you're out doing what God's called you to do. It means you're forcing yourself in some situations that are tough for you. But you, you're overcoming, right? Can I? Yeah.
0: You also have to realize that no matter how many coping strategies that you put into place, it only covers you. Um, You know, you can do all the things that you think are going to keep you from getting stressed out. And in my case, you know, it's the test anxiety and some social. But um, you can't control other people, and you can't control what they do. And so you've got to come to a place, and I think he's going to talk about that too, of where you do everything you can do, but you also have to realize that you can't control everything. And so, you know, like now, when I go in to take an exam, I was so excited this Friday because we had a different proctor coming in to do our exam, because our I love her. She's our she's great, but she just she's I don't guess she's ever taken a really important exam before. <laughs> she just doesn't have trouble with this. She just doesn't understand keeping things you know um, in a certain type of testing environment. And so I was really excited because somebody was coming from Vcom to our um, hospital to do our exam. And I was like, oh, she knows this. She knows all this. She's going to be great. She's going to be quiet. There's not going to be anything. But what happened (laughs) was that she she is the the testing person at VCOM. She's in charge, like, for all the third years and the fourth years. She is the contact for anything that could go wrong. And trust me, things always go wrong with our testing. (laughs) We have, like, this certain software that we all use on our computers. So she gave everybody on every... At every site, her personal cell phone number to call her because she wasn't going to be at the school to take emails if they had problems, you know, accessing their exam. And the exam company did an update the day before our exam, <laughs> and that's always when things go crazy. So the whole time I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting right next to her like a crazy person, and she's like her phone's ringing off the hook. And then one of the people taking their test at our site had trouble with it, and he's over there, and she's like, and so about halfway through the test, she gave up on using her inside voice. And so, and she's like eating chips and answering her phone and people are coming in to talk to her. And I was just like, okay, God, you're just going to have to take this because I've done everything I can do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you're going
2: to talk about. Well, to? no, just stay right there. Uh, Second <laughs> uh, Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And at the root of anxiety is fear. And, you know, so like for some of us, the mild form of it is worry, you know. You know but, but, you know, anxiety is like at another level where you're, you know, you're, your heart is racing. You feel like you might die. You know, you feel like you might be having a heart attack. You know, those are, those are very real situations. And, um, but God, that it, that it's important for you to understand that's just not who you are. Even if it's something genetically, you know, my mom was like this, so I'm like this. Well, there's this little word, epigenetics, okay? Epigenetics to me is the Word of God is more powerful than the genetics that you've received from your ancestors. Uh, that's, that's the point with that big fancy word. Uh, do what? Yeah. That God's power is greater than that. Now, I've been speaking God's Word over my high blood pressure, and still got, I'm still taking my blood pressure medicine. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to throw all your medicine away. Um, but what I am saying is that you don't just exist there and say, this is part of me. Um, that you take authority over it, that you allow the Word of God uh, to, become, to have authority in your life, uh, that you speak those words. It's important, I believe, for you to speak those words that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I believe that yeah, that's deeper than just hearing the Word of God. I think that hearing, understanding, being able to absorb and communicate, you know, absorb what God's communicating comes by, by just the Word of God. That the more, the more you make that, the Word of God part of you, the more you internalize it, the more you make it part of your life, the more you can hear what God's saying. Okay? Um, and I'm going to give you one last scripture here. It's First John four, uh, verses sixteen through nineteen says, "And we have known and believed that the love of God has that the love of God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love." but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment because he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That word perfect means mature. Uh, So it's this process of us growing and maturing in the love of God. We love Him because He first loved us. Love is more powerful than fear and it will cast it out. And you need to make the love of God part of your life. And if you got trouble with this, this is this may be part of the root in your life is that you just haven't let the love of God you know take root in your life, or you know maybe you refuse to show God's love to somebody else, you know. But the love of God is this clear answer for fear, and you need to make it part of your life. Um, so, you know, with my children, with my wife. Um, this is part of my protection strategy. You know, I'm glad you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu and have 20 AK-47s and a million rounds of ammunition. But you also need to know, you hubby as I'm talking to you right now, it's your job. It's part of who God's called you to be to watch out for your children and your wife and to protect them, to guard their hearts and their minds. And uh, so like... Part of her coping strategy is me. You know, if I know she's got something big coming up, I'll clear my schedule and make sure that I'm focused on her and making sure that she's at as much peace as she can be, that I'm praying over her, that I'm loving her, that I'm hugging her so she knows she's safe, she's taken care of. And, uh, and, and this ain't just a husband thing. You know, do that for your spouse. Do that for your children. Uh, she does the same thing for me. Um, so, anyway, that's what we got for you today. Um, it, it's not three points in the poem. I forgot the little, the clever joke. <laughs> Get the poem? For you, those of you that don't know me, I'm, I usually can remember the punchline of the joke, and that's usually what I give you first, and then I try to figure out everything else I was supposed to tell you first. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we got a new. Yeah, Valerie's got a new one. I'll let her tell that one. Uh, <laughs> it's about Thanks Tide Pods. Tide? No, maybe not. <laughs> now, y'all stand up. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> wow. Not you, no, you anymore jokes. Now go ahead. No. <laughs> I, I would just ruin it. That's what I'm, I get anxious just thinking about trying to tell a joke. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> it's a dad joke. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, tell it. You got to tell it for Gideon's sake. So. Gideon needs to hear it.
0: it. I, I, let's see. Um, they said it's really hard, really easy to deter ladies from eating Tide Pods. It's harder to deter gents.
2: Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no Tide Pods were actually consumed in the making of this joke. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask the elders to come on up. Um, we got a lot of folks out sick. Chris and uh, Marion are both out sick today. Uh, Glenda, is she back home yet? Yes, yeah, she is back home, but she has been through it. Uh, Pastor Mel is still recovering uh, from his, his foot injury, and uh, we, need, we need him healed up. Uh, be praying for him uh Terry is out uh, the, the toothache um, we' just physically we are under attack so just need to be praying for all these folks um, if you need prayer you need somebody to agree with you in prayer um, these folks are here um, it's probably too late to sign up for sozo I think it is if you didn't already if you if something struck your heart today about anxiety and you are not signed up for SOZO, get signed up for SOZO. SOZO is where you're going to have a one-on-one session with some folks that are trained to lead you through healing uh, from things like this. And I'm telling you, I, I believe I believe a lot in Matt and his wife, and I, I think that um, I, you know they, they know what they're doing and can really help you get some freedom um, from this. But anyway... We're up here, if you need prayer, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Dexter, if you will, to pray and dismiss us, and uh, we'll be right here, and after he prays, you're dismissed. I love you guys. (laughs) Oh, Wednesday night to be announced, because I need to talk to you first. Yes, we did. Yes, yes. Go ahead, Pastor Dexter. Father,
1: we just pray for the words you gave us, Father. We just pray that it be rooted inside our heart, Father. We just pray that we heard your word clearly, Father. That the word didn't fall on deaf ears, but but it fell on clear ears, Father. And Father, we just receive your word, Father. And Father, we just pray for everybody to have a blessed week in Jesus' name.